it's probably not structural and maybe I could system systematize it a little bit now now I'm talking about it um but yeah something I do regularly is always asking for that that constant feedback and then the things that do resonate are you know I'll jump down the rabbit hole and, and then try and develop those areas but um yeah I think I think it all starts but with with knowing self and and then understanding other people's perception of you as well Welcome to episode eight of the Untapped Potential podcast with today's guest, Ben Young. Ben has a vast array of experience and is currently head of strength and conditioning at Inter Miami Football Club in Major League Soccer. Previously, he has worked at the pinnacle of rugby at Saracens and England, as well as the pinnacle of English football at the English FA with both men's and female national teams, including European Championships and World Cups. Ben is also passionate about helping high-performance coaches, practitioners, and graduates get better results through clarity systems and processes. And Ben radiates clarity, intention, and the embodiment of processes. In this episode, Ben shares experience, advice, and I think fantastic insight in how he has created the career that he has, how he tackles challenges head-on with intention that has enabled him to have a sustainable career as a practitioner. So without delaying any further, here is today's episode with Ben Young. Welcome to today's episode with Ben Young. So episode eight. And um, yeah, Ben, thank you so much. Uh, as with everyone, I'm so grateful that you're willing to come on and have a discussion kind of really focused on the practitioner, your experience of the practitioner, but also your experiences of working with other practitioners and, and trying to gleam some insight into away from the technical criteria, although that's important, kind of really what... Um, sustains a career as a practitioner and some of the things that you feel from based on from your experience kind of the qualities that practitioners kind of benefit from and, and maybe should focus on a little more yeah mate, awesome and thank you so much for the invite um i was intrigued and and wanted to know more for sure as soon as you dropped that email so um yeah some of the some of the sort of points that you raised um definitely resonated so i think there's some stuff we can explore and yeah see if there's any value at the end of it we'll see great 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 um so the first i guess coming back coming back to the start and not to not to list where you've been or anything like that but kind of can you remember and are you still in touch with like the the inner drivers really your inner drivers that led you into a career in sport as a practitioner yeah i I just always loved sport um as as a kid um whether that was inside of sport and being a part of a team, uh, sorry, inside of school, being part of a team in the rugby team, the football team, um, some individual sports and tennis and swimming and that sort of stuff. But then also outside of outside of uh, sort of the schooling life, um, my dad sort of, well, I say fortunately now, introduced me to dirt biking as a kid. So I, yeah. I suddenly became like an ad adrenaline junkie as well. Um, so yeah, you could find me at the skate park or, um yeah on a dirt bike track uh basically a whole bunch of array of sports that just uh i suppose gave me different pleasures uh at the time whether that's social connection or uh, in the team sports settings or really the things that i became most latched onto was the the adrenaline and and, and extreme sports side of things i think that's that that really like uh pushed the button for me but probably just a, a passion in a vast array of sports and and seeing your idols at the time how they progress, how they develop as players or athletes and, and all the stories that go behind them. I can still watch hours and hours of those 
um, School of Hard Knocks type episodes or, yep. you know, the behind, you know, the David Beckham documentary that's just come out. I, I fucking, I love all of it. I love all of it. I love the, the adrenaline, the excitement, the passion, all of that stuff that surrounds sport. I think that's, they're the main things that got me into it. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, you kind of touched on already that connection within team environments that you're part of. And I, I've, that's kind of a common theme that's come through with uh, certainly many of the, the practitioners that I've spoken to already, like the connection of being part of a team, being part of something. And of course, if you're paid to do it as well, like that's an incredible place to be and, and fortunate place to be as well. Um, yeah. So kind of moving through your career, like you've, you know, like the introduction says you've, you've achieved so much. And I, and I think this question is coming from, I guess, from my research, like I, I've spoken to many practitioners that have got, had the jobs you know certain top jobs in certain environments and many have been through or at, are at a point of i think crisis might be like too much of a bigger word but at some deep reflection moment um usually because of burnout or some relationship problems like divorce or kind of something around that environment and so i kind of like in your experience and, and i don't know because we you know we've literally just met what has been sort of some of the either some of the struggles that you experience as a practitioner? Bearing in mind that at the end of through this conversation, we're going to come up with some key things that kind of enable you to be sustainable. But yeah, coming back to some of the things that you struggle with, maybe a particular period in your career that you've really struggled with um, so far. Yeah, well, I mean, when you say about burnout, my my first episode of burnout, if you like, okay, was right. six years in. Um, so six or seven years in, yeah. So straight out of university, unbelievably like driven and passionate to, to get into the, um, into the professional sports setting. Um, found myself at Saracens initially, um, and spent seven seasons just pushing, pushing, pushing myself, pushing the athletes just on, on all you, you talked about it earlier when we, we were speaking, but even from a training perspective, myself pushing myself to the absolute limit um, in everything I did. I remember I even still talk about it now. I used to be in some of the lads that I still call them for their, their friends. We would have um, multi packs of Monster Energy in the back of the in the back of our cars, and we'd be living off Monster Energy because I'd have an academy session at seven a.m. in the morning. Then it would roll into the senior team. Then I'd have the junior academy in the evening. Then I'd do my preparation for the next day and it would be rinse and repeat every single day. And then with that, you know, and then as I sort of, um, as I progressed through the organization, my responsibilities got more, the off season started to shrink as well. Like I was blessed with five or six weeks, maybe in the first three or four years of my career. Um, and then they started to get shorter and shorter as I became, started to manage things and lead other people. Um, so yeah, that that burnout, and I still remember the meeting because Saracens had an unbelievable. The thing that probably allowed me to stay six or seven years was probably the culture of Saracens. It was it's unbelievable. When I when I stood up to leave the organisation, I remember saying, "This is like a wedding speech because I'm in a room with like a hundred people that I genuinely feel like they're my family." Mm -hmm. um, and I remember then bringing that down into like the at the time I was leading the academy, the senior academy program. So there was. A reduced number of athletes 10 or 15 athletes so i remember having a smaller conversation with them and i i genuinely loved all of the lads in that room and i was like the reason i've got to step away is because i'm now giving you a disservice i'm, I'm i can't bring the energy that i, I could even last season and, and to be able to repeat it and, and give you guys that value that you deserve um I, like, I can't do it i'm not the person anymore 
So it was a really difficult decision. And, and, and at that time, I then decided to go, or the plan was to go traveling um, just to get away. But I'll, I'll leave it there in case there's any like points of interception you want there. But yeah, it only took me seven years to um, to get to that point. And then, boom, I had to leave. And everyone thought I was crazy because we'd, just, we'd won the premiership the year before. The season that I left, we made the final of the premiership and lost. And we, and we made the uh, European final as well. So the club was going from strength to strength. And they basically, and, and I knew they were going on to just the win stuff. But, for, but visualize, visualizing myself, doing that job another year, another year, another year. I, I, just, I just couldn't see it. And I knew that my energy was gone and I wasn't going to be able to show up um, as I wanted to. So I, I just said, I have to, I've got to leave. That is a, it sounds like, you know, a very, very self-aware to be able to, and, and courageous to make a decision, you know, because it's like you said, you, the, the, environment, the picture you're painting is how successful it was. The, the 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 belonging that you felt the connection with everyone that, that you felt and yet you still made that decision and I could you so were you at a point where you could in those seven years could you I suppose in hindsight of course could you go back to see where things could have been done different or was that just the culture at that time so there's no other the, the perception would be that you, there's no other way of doing that. I don't reckon. I don't think it was culture because I think the, the club, particularly that club, and it, and I think it is probably different everywhere else. Yeah. I think when I left, I haven't I haven't actually seen a culture that represents that. That's always been my north star since. Okay. It's like as much as trying to influence pro, a, a program, no matter what role I'm at, it's kind of like Saracens is still the north star that I tried to nudge people towards because it was yeah. it was unbelievable. Um, I think there's probably like a big resource thing there in terms of I, I was a, a head of strength and conditioning with the academy, but a department of one, like initially, you know, right. um, and then the expectations that come with that. And then probably the expectations you put on yourself. I think the people that maybe find themselves in the roles that we've, we've both done are ambitious. They're hungry. You want to prove yourself. You like, you've got all of these kind of like manly attributes that like yeah. it's go, 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 go. There was nothing. There was nothing on my radar about balance. Like not, not for a second. And and same even even on the social side. I'd then go and my one day off the night before. I'd go and I'd drink myself silly with the lads, be hungover all day, and then I'd just go again. And um, yeah, that that was literally my six or seven years. <laughs> so you left. You made that decision. Um, did you have anything to go to in terms of financially, like any any kind of work to go to that or that you had on the side that you could rely on that made that decision a bit easier? No, not at all. Like and and I and I didn't get paid well for the first three or four years of that job either. Like you know, this is rewind fifteen or sixteen years ago. So yeah. yeah, the first year I was almost living on a couch, you know. So I did the classic hard work to get into it as well, the internship and all that stuff. So yeah. no, no, I, I yeah, my my family I didn't really have any resources from from the back end like that either. Yeah. Um, so no, it was basically like, do I drop 20, 20 or 25 grand into buying a house and this becoming my life? Or do I go and throw that money at a life experience, figure things out and then, um, and then crack on. So I, yeah, I opted for the, the second one. <laughs> okay. I think, okay. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you my experiences of that, but um, all right. So what did you gain? What did you do? What you, did you go away and you went, you had an experience? 
Yeah, it was crazy. So, but, well, to be fair, two two months later, uh, Dave Redding gave me a call. He just he just jumped from England rugby, which I had connections with through Saracens. He he had just joined into the FA, and he needed a consultant to go right. and work alongside their their lead sports scientist with the women's national team. And they and they were going to finish that campaign like over the course of a year in Canada in 2014 in the World Cup. And I was like, perfect. I basically just wanted to go and travel North America. That was my plan, North and South America. <laughs> Fuck, well, okay, we'll delay it eight months. We'll, we'll, we'll do the consultancy, get another little insight into a new, a new, to- totally different, fresh environment, um, which I knew would give me energy as well. Um, and then we'll start the traveling trip from there. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what we did. So I was a consultant there for sort of eight, eight months or a year. And then we finished the World Cup. And then I basically traveled North America for a year off the back of that, um, off the back of the World Cup. Great. Great. And so the reason I'm kind of, I guess I'm digging into this. So you went traveling for a year. Were you working at all? No. So no. Uh, my point of bringing this up is uh, what's come up and what I think is blocking some practitioners from from t- making a choice to, for themselves is one, there's obviously the financial element of stepping away from a, a full-time job, but two, the perception that if they step away from work for a more than a couple of months, they're going to be redundant in the sense of they're going to be seen as out of date or they're going to be seen as they're not up to, you know, whatever they're not up to, they're not, yeah, they're not up to date, I suppose. And so, yeah, what's your take on that? Because you took a year off and then you came, you know, you just look at your CV. It's just, it's just keeps going, you know, the, the, the kind of places you've mm-hmm. worked in. So what's your, what's your perspective on that? And, and did you experience trouble getting back in? No. Yeah. I suppose my t- uh, it might be complete ignorance, complete ignorance, maybe overconfidence. I don't know. Some, I'm just like if I've done it once. So to, okay, right. let's actually rewind. How did I get? How did I get my initial job? So out of university, I I just went on a mission to. I was like, I have to work in professional sport. I don't I don't care what it what it is or what level. I'm gonna contact every single person. So every Premiership football team, all the way down to League Two um and every premiership rugby team and then all the multi-sports blah 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 blah. um and two people wanted to give me an opportunity or or would have me in the door to have a um uh, an interview for an internship and that that was eddie jones at saracens and a guy at west ham right so like there was i always kind of had that hustle hustler hustler mentality if, if you want to call it that but I was like, if I've done it once, then I'll I'll do it. I'll be able to do it again. And now I've got some, you know, I've got a couple of strings to my bow. I've got a bit of experience I can lean on. Um, I, I back myself to do it. Um, and I, I don't know. I think maybe how I look at life is like it's just it's just chapters. Everything's there to have. Do you have to have experiences? Um, you know, I've come to Miami. Absolutely rolled the dice to come here. I haven't got. I've got a one month rolling contract. It's brutal. Like I couldn't negotiate a fixed term contract. And I've got two daughters that I brought with me and my wife um, left left the full time job with the FA. So I've gone and done it again, almost in a yeah, way right. where I've just like gone. Like, I'm just going to roll the dice. But it's it's life. It's a chapter. Like I'll figure it out. Like worst case scenario, maybe we end up back at my parents' house for a month. But I'll give me four weeks and I'll and I'll find and I'll find a way. Like you know, and that's probably reckless as a parent now. But um, I don't know. Like I think I don't know. Particularly if you're not happy, what's the point in security? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't know, you know? I agree. I'm more on your your perspective, you know. I think what you're teaching your daughters, you know, like life's there to be lived. And and uh, for me, anyway, that's why I've got one daughter in there. Okay, so 
Right. So there, and as well, what you're talking about, and I suppose the, what you're, you know, Jack Naylor said the, the, the last interview, like, you know, Jack Naylor, you know, he, he escalated very fast through his career. And really what he was talking about is connection. Like wasn't his, especially certainly at the beginning, it wasn't his knowledge or his expertise, uh, his experience. It was, it was his connection. I suppose that's what's standing out about what you're talking about. Like you, you're creating connections and people got to, you know, uh, I don't know. Would you say that's, would you say that's, it seems like, would you say that's true for you? Like just, you're just good at creating connection. Oh, I don't know, because I also think, I also think I'm a really bad like networker. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible for it. And I think the thing that I, one of the thing that really I do sacrifice with my job, because we all sacrifice a lot, mm -hmm. um, is probably maintaining my, even my friendship network and, and oh. definitely, a, definitely a work network. I try to, once I open the door at home, it's like I'm at home and I'm present and I'm intentional about being present. I'm definitely, I'm definitely intentional with my time. Um, but yeah, like in terms of uh, the thing that I, I, I let go is, is almost a bit of a, a friendship network as well. Right. Um, so I don't know about, I don't know about creating, um, if, if it's, if it's creating a network. Suppose, yeah. The uh, thing that's gone. No, no, no. Sorry, it's a bit of a delay. I suppose, kind of, rather than a network or networking, it's more with a connection, bonding with individuals. So even if that, I don't know, you know, maybe when you do see your mates after a long time, there's you just it's like you haven't been away. And I suppose maybe that's the same with some yeah. of the staff that you've worked with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like, all, yeah, all the staff I look back on, like I still, they're all friends, absolutely friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and maybe not ones that you need to speak to every day, but you know that it's the the feelings mutual when you pick up the phone. You know. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, so moving forward, and I suppose maybe, you know, you can pick any, any place within your career, but like, I suppose what then you mentioned it at Saracens like, about the environment, your North star, what kind of characteristics in that environment allowed you or, or the reason why you call it a North star for you? Yeah, I think you were given, Complete trust. One of the first. Okay, so this is and this is something I'll take with me for sure. One of the mm -hmm. first things I was told when I when I got there by the performance director at the time was like, "You've you've you're in the organisation now as an intern, but the reason you're here is because we believe you could be the performance director in ten years, fifteen years, uh -huh. twenty years, or what." So, boom, you've got all of the trust and support. Like, you've got they've got complete belief in you you're in you're in the building and you're here to stay and again i haven't seen particularly in football i haven't seen that um that desire to have secession amongst yeah. particularly backroom staff within an organization i actually think it's it's a really um advent advantageous thing to have as well constant secession so just recruit based on you know finding unbelievably good people like practitioners and good people that you see a future in at whatever level you're, um, whatever level you're recruiting, you see them sustaining and staying with the with the organisation. I think that was an unbelievably powerful thing. So, right. I, I suppose people talk about psychological safety now, like yeah. all of those environments like that. Instant, instant psychological safety mm -hmm. um, because you're like, fuck, I'm, I'm I'm here to stay. I'm I'm the new guy in and I'm making protein shakes, but I'm going to be give me five years and I might be the I might be the gaffer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that that yeah that psychological safety. Um, there was a 
there was all there's a mantra of um, honesty, discipline, and work rate. So the work rate one definitely resonated with me because it was me through and through, and it was like, you know, I like to define myself by that, whether that's healthy or unhealthy. Um, but that definitely res- resonated. The discipline was almost like just consistently doing the right thing. And if you see someone not doing the right thing, call them out on it. And I really love that accountability and, and um, yeah, that accountability to discipline and consistency. Um, and then honesty was like, yeah, a given. Like, like any of the interdisciplinary conversations that you have, everyone was given the autonomy, trust, ownership, whatever, to give their opinion. It'd be um it'd be received in the in the right way and then we made yeah. a group discussion and when everyone walked out the door you knew that it was like there was no weak edges there was no one going to go and have a corridor conversation um everyone was on the bus and this is the decision so it sounds it almost sounds like cliche and and all of the sort of processes that we should have in place but how many are like actually executing mm-hmm. those types of conversations at that level like every day i don't, I don't think there's that there's that many and it, yeah it's not yeah it's it's hard to foster, I think, but yeah, they did an unbelievable job at it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, from what I've heard, that it's very, very rare. And I've, we touched on it before recorded, like the idea of self-preservation. So many practitioners have got, for various reasons, you know, insecurity of jobs or competition or trying to justify their role, justify the impact, all that kind of stuff, which which kind of counteracts exactly what you're saying. You know, like that. there's there's a, a lot of that and that I've heard. And I think that this is what I mean about... Um, what you're talking about to me anyway I, I wonder how you see it but really it's um it's being being aware of how you are showing up you know and and, and not you know if someone's if there's if there's a difficult conversation to be had to not make it about you but but see it as a bigger thing like okay this is how we can grow from this rather than this guy's having a t- having a pop at me but if you yeah a hundred percent and i can see even and taking that attitude into different environments where I did feel safe and everyone can have a voice. When I've gone into environments that isn't normal, I can tell that I'm on a different, I'm on a different level here. Like these people aren't either aren't saying what they think, or yeah, basically that they're not saying what they think. Everyone's yeah. kind of playing a politician, and it's a yes. dangerous place to be. Mm. Um, yeah, and then yeah, I'm going. No, no, like we're here to make a collaborative decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like, so have you been like, what, what, what allowed you then, or what, have you done any kind of, it's wrong to say the formal, but like what's self growth to you? And I say that because uh, there's, I've mentioned it a few times in a few episodes, there's a paper came out recently um, by Dave Hamilton and Brad DeVise and, and a few others in, in American sport and looking at the, the clarifying the role of a high performance director. And so the high performance director is, a, in a way, like a conductor of multiple departments. And so one one part of fostering effective environments is opportunities for self growth. And many of the people, and this was me, I thought I was in a self growth process or personal development, but I was only through the technical lens, like of an SSC coach. I was such a narrow bandwidth of actually who I actually was, and which left massive blind spots. And so, yeah, I wonder. I wonder. How and what do you, how do you see that? How do you see self-growth? Yeah, interesting question. Um, yeah, for me, it definitely isn't the reading every paper, the technical side of it. I think I, I, I think ultimately it all comes down to knowing yourself, yeah. complete yeah, self-awareness. The better you can know yourself and see all of those things. I mean, everyone's going to have blind spots, right? 
yeah, yeah. Unless you ask for direct feedback. So I think there's there's something there that's in terms of a solution. Um, and I've done some good stuff around that as well. So maybe I could share that as as, yeah. as we talk about it. But um, yeah, I, I remember purposely taking myself off off Twitter a few years ago because I found myself diving down the rabbit hole of the I couldn't I couldn't keep up with the let. It always felt like everyone was. I mean, your feed is you, you make you make the choice out of who what your feed looks like, right? But my feed was a thousand different SNC coaches, and so in my mind, but I wasn't thinking of it like that. I was thinking. All of these people are reading something new. Have you seen this? I love the takeaway yeah. from this. Have you? I was like, I was melting in like, um, or drowning is probably a better word than melting. <laughs> um, <laughs> drowning in like constant underachievement because I hadn't read it or now I need to go and read it, read it or, you know. So there was a huge rabbit hole there. So I think I, I had the self-awareness to, to recognize it wasn't actually a positive thing and I needed to find my... Um, my growth opportunities in the relevance to the environment or context I was working at the time. So whether that's asking players um, for feedback, you know, technical, non-technical, um, staff, manager, you know, looking at the whole um, hierarchy, up, down, left, right, every time, everyone you're touching base with and getting that kind of um, 360 kind of input. Yep. Um, I, I think that's probably one of the safest and probably most positive places to start because it's acute and it's it's relative to the context you're working in. It's probably going to help kind of problem solve as well as you build trust because you're asking for feedback within those contexts. Um, and people people appreciate that. The pre people appreciate that you're showing vulnerability to, no, no, you tell me, what's the what's the one thing I need to fix now? And what's the three things I could be doing better? And what's one thing that I'm really, you know, really good at, for example? Um, yes. so people want to, people want to give you, it's unbelievable. Everyone wants to give you that feedback. No one's got a problem having a coffee when they're just giving you the feedback. So that's <laughs> really like, that's, that's really useful. And I remember I did it actually, when I left Saracens, I, I sent, um, about 20 of the players a questionnaire, like, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and just, and just reflecting like that and seeing how that married up against my own self, um, perception. Right. So that was useful. And I think I generally try and I, I, it's probably not structural and maybe I could system systematize it a little bit now now I'm talking about it um but yeah something I do regularly is always asking for that that constant feedback and then the things that do resonate are you know I'll jump down the rabbit hole and, and then try and develop those areas but um yeah I think I think it all starts but with with knowing self I want to briefly interrupt today's conversation and really ask you to reflect on that what is knowing yourself what does that mean to you because I want to draw your attention to the Practitioner Needs Analysis Coaching Program. The conversations in my research shown clearly that 160 highly successful practitioners supporting some of the world's greatest athletes have on one level achieved a great deal within high-performance sports and academia. Yet on a much more personal level, many are quietly suffering to maintain the perception of being successful and happy. This is the inconvenient truth sitting just under the surface within a high-performance environment. The cost of this truth ranges from divorce, absent parent, physical and mental illness, all of which contribute to the limiting the performance impact we will strive so hard to achieve. The human element has been forgotten, with many top practitioners now finding ways to leave our beloved industry. My research process has spawned the services I now provide to support performance practitioners. Athletes have a vast array of options within their support network to help them thrive, optimize, and activate their full expression but very little is currently aimed at offering this unique support for performance practitioners. This is where the Practitioner Needs Analysis Coaching Program fills that gap. 
The practitioner needs analysis allows you to identify what qualities are most important for you to show up in your role, career and life in your fullest expression. It provides an inner analysis that highlights the components of your life, giving you clarity on what is blocking you, how it's blocking you and what you need to do to release those blocks. This guides you to tailor your goals and actions away from potential burnout, divorce or illness and instead towards one where you thrive as a practitioner and in your personal life. To find out more about the group and one-to-one options Men Behind Sport offers, visit www.menbehindsport.com or email me at richard at menbehindsport.com. Now back to this great conversation with Ben Young. And, and then understanding other people's perception of you as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, such powerful examples. And I think it takes courage to do that, you know, to, to ask for feedback and, you know, honest feedback and which I think, like you said, I think I think there's an element of well, you're creating trust for people to be able to say that to you. Like, because if you haven't got that trust, do I really want to give this person honest feedback? Or or obviously there's there's a way to do that, but I think that um that's what's standing out to me. Like you just you just seem to again connection and trust with the people that you're around. Um Yeah. And and yeah, you're you're right, because when it's not there, that hurts me. You know, when when I don't yeah. feel that there's tr- people don't trust me or I don't have a connection, that's mm. probably one of my yeah limitations because I need the, without the connection, I I really struggle. So if there's head coaches in the past that I haven't managed to really connect with, it, mm. I I really I struggle with that. I I, I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. With um, I guess it would maybe think of this like self growth or or CPD or development. You know, so much is this has come through a lot. Like so much is, is focused at obviously everything is focused on the athlete, you know, optimizing and processes and frameworks to enhance performance in the athletes we work with. But there's, what are your thoughts, you know, if you have any at all on the idea of kind of support structures to enhance decision makers in the backroom staff, like, you know, from head coaches, I mean, there's, there's Cody Royal. I don't know if you had a Cody Royal. He works with head coaches in, in the multiple different sports, but like a coach facing service. Cause I feel that just from all the conversation I had, I feel that is sort of the next step or a crucial step to have coach facing solely coach facing in a way, like, a, like at the EIS or UK sports, you know, like a, a performance lifestyle type of service. Mm-hmm. but maybe adapted i don't know but I, I wonder have you have you ever had that type of support have you seen that type of support and and do you think that's do you think that would be valuable yeah i, I think it could be unbelievably valuable I th- i've seen it actually no, i've seen it twice yeah so there was there was a guy at, um at saracens he was unbelievable um and there was a guy at the fa that worked with the women's national team a guy called adam streeter um and he was he was excellent i think he's now like the the head of culture change at Primark or something, something like that. Okay. Um, but he did an unbelievable job. So he came in as sort of like, um, it wasn't psychology, but it was, um, yeah, call it culture. But he would work with the head coach or any of the staff that would would want it and, um, and were open to it. Um, and yeah, it would be that, it, w- it would be that kind of, um, that glance at what people's perceptions are of you, what your own perception is of self, yeah blind spots areas of growth all of that kind of stuff and just the regular kind of check-in um and i know the manager at the time like got a huge amount from it um and and it and it influenced the whole team um Mm -hmm. and then yeah myself i'd lean on him as as well for sure um 
yeah, I, th- I think it could be huge. I think it definitely could be the next big step. Yeah, I, I wonder just some of the conversations of, of um, like I said, it's all you know, all confidential. But there, there is there's a lot of practitioners, and I suppose this is the people listening. You know, I kind of my point in in saying this is there's a lot of practitioners that are are struggling deeply to maintain a position, or even the idea that uh, so a term came up that the figure front. So a couple of quotes from the research from my researchers like the the figure front is a divorced male who works all the hours, meaning that that person and this is not a fault to the person it's just a, a lack of self awareness maybe or working for other reasons for example because they uh, don't want to be alone they don't want to they don't want to be alone with their thoughts they don't want to maybe their problems at home whatever it is there's there's something deep there's a reason to that. But like the the idea of the figure runner is 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 creating the the metronome or the pet or the the pulse of the environment, and so with practitioners underneath that, it's very hard to sustain a, a type of I don't know sustain or, or the perception is it's hard to sustain a type of lifestyle in and out of work because the person in charge is is pulling so much, and I wonder if you like, not mm-hmm. obviously not not to name anyone, but have you? Have you experienced anything like that, and how have you dealt with that, if at all? That the that the the figurehead of the the manager is that way inclined. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe you know, maybe not be a, a football manager. It might be head of the department or some someone within the pulse of the the expectations. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. The expectations on all practitioners is to be check your emails nine o'clock at night. You know, get the reports done uh, like short notice which obviously that happens sometimes you know and you're probably mm. the person best person to talk about with a major competition but i suppose normal day-to-day kind of the idea that there's such high demand and, and the boundaries are not respected and those types of because that's come through so mm. much yeah i probably haven't I've, well fortunately then i haven't experienced it as a, a you know a leader um a leader sort of down to me per se, but I can absolutely see how the environment is completely conducive to that. Mm. Um, There's massive expectations on all of the backroom staff outside of work hours, um, being on call or on tap for every player. And I suppose it's just a power in numbers thing, right? It's just the, you're the one and they're the 30 or they're the 40. And it's just, it's carnage. If you let, if you let it be, Mm. um, and I think there's, yeah, maybe there's something there around the power of be, or the ability to be able to say no or the ability to mm. be able to set boundaries or the mm. and having the confidence to be able to set boundaries. Maybe that comes again through what you were saying earlier around um, insecurity for role. So if you feel insecure in, in your position, then suddenly, you know, that makes it a lot h- harder again to say no, mm. um, particularly if you're a conscientious person that wants to start keeping people happy and all of that sort of stuff. So suddenly in that in that little mix, um of trying to keep people happy being outnumbered you know one to 40 um you know and and a lack of kind of confidence to say no or to set boundaries it's a it's a recipe yeah. for chaos yes yes yeah. yes that's really which is cool. probably everything you're hearing right massive fear of reprisal can't say no or it's not respected or just really fear of reprisal or don't know how to say no because people perceive that people perceive no as negative when in fact i think you know when you say no to one thing you're saying yes to something else and there's a way of saying it as well. It doesn't have to be a 
it's not a negative. It's a, even someone's opinion, you know, if it's a professional yeah. opinion, I think it's important to say if you, if someone doesn't agree with something, it's important to say that because it offers a mirror. It may not be, they may not agree with it, but it just offers a mirror that, but I think anyway, that, 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 someone to sort of check their, their rationale, their reasoning or their thinking. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. I think, um, just, just while you're saying there, um, not responding in the moment. So like, if you are the yes man, this is, this is, I'm trying not to just give advice because it's just my world's experience, I suppose. But for something that's worked for, in the past for me, or what I now try to do is to, to um, make everything a little bit more formal as it were. It's formal, but informal. So um, rather than saying no in the moment and me feeling guilty or whatever, like, okay, yeah. say yes, but when, but go and ask or request to have a five minute, catch up with the person that's that's causing that pain point for you and it might there might be a lot to go around so you might have to have a lot of coffees but have like have the conversation and i think now as i'm older maybe as you get kids and yeah. your your boundaries are more you know my kids my kids are everything and no one's gonna like and my time at home is sacred yes. so my whole world prioritization is around that mm -hmm. so like I, I maybe i do need to go and have a, a conversation with the manager just to well, I wouldn't lead with, um, this is my expectation. This is what I need. It's almost just like, oh, when, by the way, can I just have a catch up when you text me at nine o'clock, just so you know, it makes me feel a bit like this because I really value this and this, right. um, what, like, what, what do you think? Like, how can we, is there a better way? Whatever. As soon as you sort of like bring it down to just that human level and yeah. dissolve the conversation and it might be. The difficult, I always find with those people call them difficult conversations, but the difficult part is just to say, can we grab two minutes? I think as soon as you begin the conversation, unless the person's a complete, you know, someone that you don't want to be a colleague of anyway, mm. the hum the humanity comes quite quickly as soon as you say, like, just so you know, it makes me feel like this. Oh. Uh, you know, no mm. one can argue with that because it's literally how you're feeling. Yes. Um, and no one wants to make you feel bad, yeah. generally. Yeah. So they'll change their, their action. Um I don't know. And I think that's just, I call it putting out fires or whatever, but it's probably something I've brought into my like everyday way of working now that it's like at, at the point that it happens, it's like go and have the next day, go and have the conversation. Don't let things fester. Don't mm -hmm. let things build. Just be like, no, no, these, yeah, you're basically, you're almost saying these are my boundaries or you're starting to let people know in a softer way. These are my boundaries. This is the limit. Um, if you need something else from me, hundred percent, but let's figure out like how I can, um yeah how we can do it in a different way potentially yeah. i think that's a great example and a clear way of you know like and i think this is what i mean by like you're not just saying no don't do it you're offering something how can we work this out there's a positive positive sort of slant to it because you're not saying no never contact me like how can we work this out so it works for both of us because because my family time is really important and it, that's what stood out to yeah. me about you saying that you know and um yeah and yeah, yeah, and and so, so like a, an example there was just around. I don't know. People resonate this with this that work in team sports, but um, squad numbers every day. You have some players that are training fully, some players that are modified, some players that are injured. Blah blah blah. Everyone's kind of doing different things. The earlier the manager gets that information, the better. Um, but the way that we get we get to that that endpoint um could be absolute chaos with 400 different messages going around between the player the physio the snc coach the rehab guy the head of performance whoever that could be absolute carnage but then you know you have this sit down with the manager you say look 
this is what it's making me feel like because I'm I'm the gatekeeper of all of this information and I've got to speak to 15 different people to be able to give you this 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 one bit of information. Hmm. How about if we just go on a live Google document and you'll see it as it comes in. If it's not on the document, I don't know, but I'm I'm in the process of finding out, blah, 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 whatever. And then, cool, we've got a way of working that's like, he's happy with, it works for me because I've just bought myself being off the phone and people can now input into the sheet you know uh, yeah the physio will say yep he's good to go everyone's doing the work for me and i'm looking at the sheet going sweet like yeah everyone everyone's happy and i've removed myself from the from the situation yes. but i don't know there's always different you know and technology is great for that isn't it there's always yes. going to be different ways of solving the problem but um yeah. again it started with that conversation with the manager sit down and figure out how it right. can work for everyone right and i think Correct me wrong, but I think what what you're how, what you're describing is an openness. Just because it's done in one way doesn't mean it can't. It doesn't have to stay that way. Just a, fl- a fluidity to change systems if it needs to change, rather than being stuck on the idea. Well, we've always done it like this, so it's got to be like this. Yeah, I think yeah, and that's a good point. I, as much I try to come to every single conversation with like we can do anything. Eh? Like there's not nothing's off the table. We can do whatever. I'm completely open. Let's shape it how we want um yeah and 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 let's go let's make a collaborative decision um yeah yeah so so many good examples um so like i kind of want to turn it a bit towards like i guess a focus on your career and you touched on it with regarding your wife and your two daughters and so what that sounds like to me is i i mean my my experience of of having a daughter like things just change they just change it's not a, a thought thing it's just all of a sudden that's just this amazing thing in your life amazing person in your life and so i think before we go into like how do you um, how do you how do you make yourself present i suppose well yeah let's start on there how do you separate from work because you said a short while ago that you it's your sacred time and you do once you're home you're home and you're consciously purposefully present how do you how do you do that? Because many uh, are common saying, I'm stuck in my head. So even when they're home, they're not home because they're thinking about next game, stage of season, next state phase of the Olympic cycle, CBD, whatever it is. Like they're just stuck mm. thinking in the future rather than present. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of a weirdo where I have to get everything. I have to have my head clear at all times. So well, that might be the small, and it might come down to the way that I tackle those different conversations, right? But even with my missus, if we've got a slight little niggling issue, I have to yeah. just resolve it and get it done, have my head clear. And it's the same with work. It's like, I won't I won't go home. And, and that's the thing. So then it might be a text to the missus saying, I'm going to be a little bit late, but I'd rather that and then be present for half an hour from 6.30 yeah. to 7 before the kids go to bed than at 4 o'clock and go and like, yeah, having conversations, but I'm vacant or like, you know, your head's elsewhere. Yes. So like, I'll generally always try to just clear the decks and I'll even, I think, yeah, just luckily I've got a really supportive wife. Um, but, you know, I'll re- we'll even speak during the day and if I'm absolutely like goosed, it'd be like, right, I need a, I need a 20 minute power nap when I get, I'll, I'll need one. Like, I know that I will to be at my best and to be able to actually like step up and take over properly. Mm-hmm. Like I'll come in, I'll go straight, I'll say hello to everyone oh dad just got to go to bed go to bed put the head down 20 minute alarm boom wake up right now I'm, there's no excuses like i'm in um so there's loads of little techniques like that every day that i'm kind of um using you know off the off the back of this afternoon i've, I've said i'm going to be you know an hour late um yeah no problem and and we and we we work it out um but yeah i think 
it's about being intentional, isn't it? I, I could spend 20 minutes when I go, I'm going to use going to bed now. I'm going to sound like a right lazy bastard, but, um, <laughs> you know, going to bed when I walk, in, <laughs> when I walk into the house, I could sit and sit and sit on the sofa and scroll Instagram for 20 minutes yeah. on the sofa while the kids are doing something, just trying to think, think that I'm going to come up with this energy. It's like, no, like go to bed. That's what I need. Be disciplined and wake up and I will have the energy. Um, yeah, so just trying to be like really intentional and and yeah, again, again, self-aware, I think about like where I'm at, where my energy's at, and then clearing the decks before I walk into that new environment. And take and yeah, that cliche thing of taking a breath before you walk in, don't carry the day with me. Right. Like new new environment, they don't care. My four-year-old couldn't, you know, she cares about Peppa Pig. Yeah. Not um yeah, not the day, not not, not into Miami. Yes, yes. I, I mean, what you just said, self-awareness. I think that awareness, awareness of how what you need, and and not only that, taking what you need to then be able to show up as your best version. You know, and I think that's so underrated. Or and and it's you know, there's so many, so much in self-help and podcasts and everything. But it's the it's it's the practice of it that you're doing accumulatively is teaching you more and more. I, I assume, and certainly in how I experience that type of thing, you know, becoming more self-aware of what's going on within me physically feeling wise, as well as what do I need in this moment to be, to not react, to not be frustrated at nothing or to be present. It's, um, yeah, it just comes out to self-awareness and what you said. Yeah. And just constantly checking in with where you're at. I think just another little story. It's not a good one, but I'll tell, tell it anyway. Um, but the first couple, <laughs> the first couple of months of being here at, at Inter, um, yeah, we got a morning meeting at half seven. I live half an hour away. I like. I always want to try and get a workout in before I come to the club, and I like. I want this grand perception of you know of me arriving and stuff, and that and, and to me that's demonstrating my work rate. So getting in the gym and doing these monster CrossFit sessions and, and all this sort of stuff. But then after two months, um, I realised that as I'm coming home, it's like I'm apps. I'm, I'm you know I'm dead. I've got no energy for the family. So it's like check in with myself no okay like i'm being stupid here like you know wake up half an hour later go in you know stretch take over on the bike do a little bit of weights whatever but but on the back end i have more energy for my family which is the main priority that like yeah the reason we're here is the family i want them to live an unbelievable life in florida um and yeah reorientate with the thing that's really really important or most important the highest priority so just little things like that every every, every day or every little phase you're just Checking in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where am I at? Where Where am I at work? What am I like as a as a dad? What am I like yeah. as a husband? What you're just kind of like, just constantly checking in and, and tweaking and evolving, you know. Suppose that ties into the next question. Um, so, what is what is success to you? Because on one hand, I you know you have literally on sport and in, in football anyway, and, and rugby, you know you've, you've ticked off many things objectively. But what what's your gauge of success as a practitioner? Oh, you threw in as a practitioner there because I was going to go. Uh, well, I was going to go on. I was going to go life. Go, go life. Because I, I, they tie into each other. I think go answer in any way you want. What success to you? Because you yeah. can't separate them. I've I've never defined this, in, uh, so it's it's going to come out. Uh, yeah, a bundle of noise. But um, go for it. Oh, it's going to sound so cliche. It's it's going to be like it's probably going to be something around my daughter saying that I'm a good dad, my parents saying that I was a good son. And my friend saying I was a good friend. Right. Uh, and sorry, success actually. No, no. I'm talking shit. 
there's that side and then there's also have unbelievable experiences um like i always want to yeah memories making memories like life's there to live and um like i said about the start like chapters i want to just create memories so again if i can't if my job conflicts which it which it does it does conflict i've always got a conflict of work and life there always is because ours is a dialed up profession i think Hmm. um so there is always a slight conflict but if a conflict gets becomes too much and i can't make one unbelievable memory a year you know mm-hmm. whether that's you know and i've and i've done this all the way through my year and off seasons i've been to indonesia and vietnam and and thailand and you know i've traveled and and i've experienced yeah. stuff yeah. i always try to make one unbelievable memory every single year and then load of micro memories at least like every month mm-hmm. so if if work and life if if the the life starts sorry if the work starts taking that stuff over as well then i probably need to start reorientating where i'm going with from a work perspective but in answer to your question success is like probably those two things enjoy life to the full and just experiences and then just make sure those that that close knit of people around me all say that he did, he was all right he was a yeah. good guy and that really resonates with me what you just said like in terms of the the, the macro experience a year and then the micro experiences and it reminds me i don't even heard of the flow genome project Jamie Wheel. No. Uh, I'll put I'll put the link below to that. But they're an amazing organization. Okay. Um, anyway, the, they've sort of studied and uh, I guess uh, to kind of get underneath the experience of flow. So flow state being, you know, if you've done action sports, you'll you'll kind of resonate with this greatly. But it doesn't have to be action sports. But the idea that a flow experience is uh, there's an acronym called STIR. So S is for selflessness. You're so engrossed in the activity that you forget yourself. T is for timelessness. So sense of time is distorted. So two hours can go past in what feels like five minutes. E is for effortlessness. So you're just doing it for the intrinsic experience, not for the outcome. You're just in it. And then R is for richness. So information richness. And so the idea of insight, creativity, epiphany in doing, experiencing something. And so anyway, my point in saying that is kind of they talk about like uh, in a way periodizing those type of experiences. Now on a daily basis, that could be a breath experience. It could be whatever, something kind of, you know, going to cold water experience weekly, monthly, seasonal and annual. And so obviously the, the further out you go in the year, the bigger the experience they get. And it, it just that's what's made me think of it. And I think to the, the purposeful, again, you're you're purposefully attempting to achieve that rather than oh we're going all day and and you're just actually kind of planning it the best you can within the environments that you work in you know you're you're planning yeah. those experiences that's what it sounds like yeah definitely and yeah and my missus will go mad because i'll have like one day off in the week and i'm going like we're going scuba diving we're going jet skiing <laughs> and she's like I, I just want i just want to sit by the pool i'm like you don't make a memory there it'll be nice right. it'll be nice for a couple of hours but we're not going to remember it forever so we're going jet skiing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, went into that. Well, I resonate with kind of what you're saying. <laughs> um all right, so the kind of uh, coming to the end, I've I've really enjoyed the conversation. I suppose you you touched on it a minute ago, like going to the, your new job at Inter Miami and um how I think kind of or taking back to the post actually that um you put a post out and I think that's that's where we just began communicating around the idea mm-hmm. of one, when you step when you step into a new environment, there's an element where you, you know, if it's through the Saracens lens, well, we've employed you because we trust you. You could be anything within this organization. But I think as you step into an all, a new role, 
how do you one show up as you want to in a sustainable way and i mean you touched on it about training and then you, you calm that which down which i didn't bit. yeah yeah but <laughs> But also, you've you've had long stints at, at major organisations, and so like your insight on through your experience, but also colleagues or people you manage, like what do you what would you say to practitioners when they're one there's pressure to deliver in your in your role because and you're building new relationships and you want to come across in the right way, but like how what, what would you recommend doing that in a sustainable way? Because obviously you want to attend meetings, you want to watch practices, you want to, you know, build relations with the players and coaches and the whole team, building systems, all this stuff is going on. But how do you do that in your lived experience or, and the people you, you work with and, and manage that? How do you, what kind of things that you could, you could offer to practitioners that are leading that may be thinking, God, I've just, I've just dug myself a hole here because I've turned up six days a week, seven till seven. And now I'm, I don't know what to do to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if I think the no, no, no. I think it's kind of going to go back all to the stuff we've kind of talked about. But I suppose to summarise, I reckon not making the little things turn into big things by having continual conversations, honest conversations, and away from the situation because it might it might be a heated emotional one, but then right. it stays on your mind for a week or a day, whatever, however long you let it manifest. So don't let the little things turn to big things. Because the next day, grab that person, go have a five-minute sit-down or wherever, go walk around the pitch, whatever whatever it is, go and solve that thing. So don't let the little big things, don't let the little things turn to the big things. I think you've got to start being, um, this is hard, hard, easy to say, hard to do, <laughs> confident enough to, to set boundaries. Um and again, it's probably the how that you do that is is going to be the bit that needs some thought and some craft. But I think having an intention around it is the important thing. And then also the discipline to actually execute it. So I think maybe ponder what are your what are your expectations from the role and what are your expectations right. outside of the role and where do those boundaries kind of like live? Once you've defined that, then it's like, okay, um, who do I now need to go and speak to to make this happen? Or what processes do I need to to put in place to make this happen and that might just mean chipping away at, at things over the course of days or weeks or months it might not just be like one conversation itself um so i think yes starting to set the, <clears throat> set those boundaries and like we sort of said i think um with kids it becomes a little bit easier because it's yeah. like you're getting up and leaving either to and i used to think this actually at saracens i remember i was like fucking hell people with kids get such an easy ride they get to sit up and say i'm gonna go and pick up the kids whereas i'd be at the computer but it yeah, that was my own thoughts. Obviously, I didn't have a clue. I was, you know, I was 21, 22, 23. Didn't have a clue or even thinking about having kids. So I didn't know what their worldview was at the time or what, what they're living out. Um, but still, they were able to go, right, I'm off. I've got to go and get the kids. I'm thinking, fuck, like, that's amazing. And, and there's no way that I'd be able to do that. But every, you, you can. It's just about how, yeah, how confident you are with it. And whatever that narrative is, you you need to dress up in your head or, or yeah or support or conversations whatever you need to do to make that happen or give yourself that confidence and i think try and be proactive to to, to do it right um and then i think yeah i think it's all just about being intentional with your time there's so many rabbit holes that you could jump jump down there's meetings that could go on and yeah this is hard to, to um maybe to control sometimes some of this stuff might be out of your control but yeah that intentionality around your time um okay 
instead of a, rather than a meeting example, it might be that when you go back home, rather than scrolling for 20 minutes, you go and have yeah. a, a nap. But that intention, intentionality, yes. pre-thinking, pre-thinking yes. um, what I'm doing. And again, some people are like Uber scheduled. I, I know some some of the lads at the FA. One of the guys at the FA, he was um, he was super process oriented, like to another level. But his whole diary and his social calendar would be mapped out hour, like or well, even more micro than hour by hour. Like every fifteen minutes, it would just be all the way through. But fair play, like he was the most. He was a happy. He was happy. It was all process kind of driven, but he had a structure to be able to support himself to go from task to task to life to task to whatever wow, right. um so yeah whatever that stre- that structure is you need to be able to be intentional with your time i think that's massive mm. um yeah and then that self-awareness is to keep kind of checking in with yourself to see where i'm at where yeah. where are my downfalls what isn't aligned right now and and again being conscious and disciplined to actually action it mm-hmm. um i speak to my missus so much this is going to be a terrible anecdote but um she will she will moan or she she will she will have an issue and she'll talk and talk and talk and i think this is yeah i don't know i don't want to go down the gender route um she'll talk and talk and talk but she won't have the discipline to think about um what needs to get solved and how am i going to solve it like what's the actual thing i'm talking about and now and how am i going to solve it whether that's a structure a process a conversation whatever <laughs> it's just that little bit of like diligence to go you know to take it that step further and actually solve the problem yes um yeah every day well, i don't know yeah. i've rambled there but god knows if i answer your question uh, perfectly that uh, was that to me just clarity just clarity clarity and mm. and in- clarity intention and action you know like just yeah. uh yeah which i think is uh hopefully oh i know people are listening you know just from people i've spoken to like they're Lack of clarity, lack of clarity in role or expectations in role, um, for example, and I and I think, yeah, they're two things that are, that are plaguing a lot of people. And so you've you've to me anyway, you've painted a picture of of some really actionable things that that practitioners can do. And I hope um, I'm sure they'll get a lot of value from it. I have, yeah. And if and if if you ha- yeah, I mean that example there. If you if you haven't got clarity in your role. Obviously, that's kind of on your manager, but that sounds like the first difficult conversation, right? The first yeah. one where, can I just have five minutes? Mm-hmm. I think it looks like this. What do you think it looks like? All right, let's talk about the bit in the middle that's, that's, that seems different. Yeah. Um, again, sounds easy, but it will only be the first couple of minutes that, um, that mm-hmm. are challenging. And then you're, yeah, if it's if it's a good guy or a good good girl, then um, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll solve that problem. And I think the last thing I'll say, you know, if it hasn't solved the problem and there's there's resistance and there's an inability to get clarity or whatever, I think that that is also in, in uh, useful information because it's it's telling you more accurate information about the environment you're in. And so if that's not yep. the optimal environment for you, then it, then you're in the power position of power because well, do I choose to stay or I choose to go somewhere else rather than this perception of being stuck? A hundred percent, yeah, a hundred percent. And before you feel stuck, make sure you've done everything you can to mm. unlock unlock yourself. And mm. if you can't, then 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 there's the, that's the decision. But yeah, you have to be proactive. I think there's that thing of ownership as well. Like only sure. your I've I've always had it. Um, only I'm going to solve these things. Not, you know, my parents can't come and help me. My friend, no one can help me. And on on this journey, I'm on my journey, and that's it. And 
Yeah. If I don't set the boundaries, no one else is going to set the boundaries. If I don't go and have the conversation, it's in my mind, no one else's mind. I don't even know the person I've just had a Barney with. I don't know if he even cares now, but I definitely care. Like it's in, so I need to go and resolve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you've got to take ownership, like to- total ownership. Yeah. Yeah. But I completely agree. You resonate so much and you, you ooze that, you ooze that for sure. You know, like I said, I've just, I've, we just met and you ooze, you use confidence and just, just live in life, you know, which, which requires to, to truly live life. You have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ben, thank, thank you so much. I really, really, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Is there anything else that you, that was on your mind that you want to share or I don't know if there isn't. No, I think, um, I think there's the other, the other part of, because that whole total ownership thing sounds like, yeah, I mean, it is by, by its definition, it all is on you. I think that we as an industry can do better to support practitioners for sure. Like you said, some of the ro- the roles that you you sort of suggested there, I think that's a great idea. Um, I think there's generally across all the organisations I've worked on, there's too higher expectation on each individual in their roles. Right. Um, so I think, but with that comes funding and staffing. And, you know, I think generally doubling the headcount in every organisation I've been probably whilst it would be difficult to manage, I think wouldn't be a bad thing in terms of that level of expectation or like demands on each individual. Mm-hmm. So I think as a, as the industry grows, I think that's definitely something to keep a, an eye on. And um, um, yeah, hope, hopefully it will go the right way. But um, yeah, unfortunately we have the, the flip of that as well, which is there's a supply and demand thing where there's yeah. so many people that want these roles. Um, there's not many roles and people are willing just to jump in and, and not get particularly paid well for it either. Um, so there's definitely a conundrum there, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. I think as an industry, we need to support the practitioners, um, more because they're, they're, they're high demanding jobs. And I, and I think, and I'm not surprised that people, like I say, I got burnt out after seven years. I think the only reason I've survived to be fair is because of the different nature of my roles. If I'm, if I'm really honest, so all of the stuff I've talked about, yeah, it helps, but I've had, you know, seven years in a club with a good solid year of traveling, um, four years in a women's program. And then completely changing into the men's program, which were like night and day, so completely different roles. Um, and now, and now coming to a different country, it's like I, th- I think without those like new those differences and significant differences, then I, I would have really struggled. So it's it's an industry that's going to pull you down if you let it. So I think you, yeah, I, th- I think the work that you're doing is going to be awesome, man. Like, yeah, and the more we can talk about it, the better. Yeah, for sure. And and I, you know, it's just great to hear your perspective and on on that and just the awareness of it as well you know that like the, the different environments and and you seem to have navigated it really well yet you're fully aware of like you know you're fully aware of it and i and i i know that this this is just such a, another useful thing and i think that that coach facing service is 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 something that i, I you know whether it's in-house and that's another different that's another dilemma like is it in-house in an organization or is it externally put in because some people have said i, I don't know if i trust an in-house one which i, I that's just mm-hmm. on them and their experience but um i don't know how it's going to go but i think more conversation like this are, are just going to help carve a clearer path towards a, a potential solution 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. i love it so is there like is there anything you know are you have you got anything that you you is there a program? Is there a, there's a a training that you you offer? Is there anything that you kind of want to want to share with anyone that's listening, or or anything like that, or any yeah. social handle? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've um, I've created a I've called it the playbook, the the strength and conditioning sports science playbook. It's up it's up on LinkedIn at the moment. Um, so yeah, you can you can find it there. It's almost my kind of um, eight or nine golden truths, I suppose, of this this far. My kind of big lessons, the thing you don't, the things you don't learn in mm-hmm. in uh, in university, yeah, things right. around kind of goal settings with athletes, performance planning. Um, how to get into the industry, what to look out for. Like, there's a whole bunch of topics there, but yeah, feel free to to jump into that. But if not, just um, yeah, drop me a line on on LinkedIn's probably the best one. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, but you'll just see pictures of my daughters more or less. Uh, that's Ben Young one, and then Twitter. Yeah, I've kind of, I yeah, I don't even really browse now. To be fair, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm off that. Yeah, not everyone, but um, there's that's a consistent relatively consistent some of the people i've spoken to sort of not so much on social media and um and i I think uh yeah that's uh so i'm just going to put the the link below is of playbook and then of your linkedin that's all i want to put and and, amazing uh, yeah yeah. we can check you there and um so yeah thank you so much ben it's been it's been really great to to chat with you and i appreciate it thank you so much yeah i appreciate it thanks thanks man i enjoyed it thank you thank you for listening to this episode I want to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, you enjoy Untapped Potential, then please leave a review on iTunes and Spotify. By doing this, you'll actively help in spreading this content to the practitioners that need it.